Welcome back to Know Your Audience with myself, James Pikeway. I'm Paul Kelly. And Paul, we've been having quite an interesting conversation here. And the thing that I want to jump back to is a question that I'm sure is in our listeners' minds as well, is the whole idea of audience surveillance, audience intelligence, and sentiment. Yeah, I guess like if you take a step back, um, like we've, we've been talking about, I guess, through this whole series of Know Your Audience and everything like that is... Thinking about consumers of your product or service, whether that's another business or whether they're out in the world um, as an audience. And that audience is a way to, when you start thinking like that, you become more aware of thinking about things from a perspective of who is consuming your product and your message. So it's like an audience for this podcast, you know, it's people sitting in wherever or walking or whatever they're doing. We think about what they might be interested in and we tailor the content to perhaps give them something to educate. So when you understand that audience, which is what audience intelligence is, it's getting an insight into that audience. It's not just data, it's not just numbers, it's it's insight, which is actionable measures of, of something that will make a difference to their life or make a difference to your business. Um, that 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 is the key of what audience intelligences. A lot of people are already doing this in their own yeah. businesses. If you're getting phone, if you've got customer service on the phone, yeah, you've got your friend calling it this, but yeah. Because but then you know, the manager's going to say, hey, how many people are calling yeah. today? What are they concerned about? What's going on? Yeah, customer feedback, all yeah. that sort of thing. And so all that's audience surveillance. Well, it's audience, audience intelligence. intelligence. Okay. <laughs> and the difference is, um, I think surveillance has a nefarious yeah, okay. um, connotation, but not even with language, because it sort of implies that Things are being watched. watched. Okay. For and and <clears throat> that's not really the point of yeah. intelligence. Intelligence is about understanding, and it, I know that also has a nefarious thing if we think about CIA or something. But, but being intelligent about yeah, what we're understanding with it's our getting audience. information okay. about their behaviors um, and potential behaviors and or trends, issues that might affect them from multiple data sources. So the thing you talked about about customer. Re- not retention, um, what's it called? The surveying, you know, where you, the f- customer feedback. Yes. Um, <laughs> we got it, we got yeah. it, we got there. <laughs> that type of thing is uh, a data point. Okay. And what we're talking about here is multiple data points across your own first party information, which is what you're talking about. Right. Which is where you ask someone for feedback, your sales data, your uh, supply chain data, like all those various points coming into one so that you can take the the data and do some form of analysis yeah it's looking across all of those and creating some using technology in our case to to sort of bring a better understanding of what all those different data points together might mean and give you information on but then it's also really interesting to go beyond that into the third party realm where you're sort of looking at information about you know from the social web or from the internet or from news sources and things like that about broader trends, broader societal shifts, and then how you then can break that down to people's opinions and thoughts. Which is where sentiment comes in. Yeah, because what we want to do is we want to see how people feel about something without necessarily asking them because, you know, there's this great, I think, line of psychological thought about how we behave, which we've talked about extensively about the system one, system two thinking. Mm -hmm. And how we're almost always all on autopilot, right? Except when someone asks us a question. <laughs> well, this is this is the the sentiment side of things. Yeah, is something that we've we've always been doing. We do it as human beings. You're sitting, we're sitting in front of each other. 
we're having a conversation. Yeah. You're talking about this. I'm looking at your face. I'm judging. Oh, he's smiling. He's yeah, making he, a grimace. Yeah. You know, how does he feel about it? He slowed down. So we're, we're very adept at making an analysis of the sentiment of people that we interact with. In this case, though, we're taking audience intelligence to an, an, another level because it's not just sort of data points that are looking at, you know, do you like something? Do you not like something? What, what people have said, you're now going in and examining social posts yeah, and getting a sense, of, for example, and getting a sense of, well, what do people think of things? Yeah, and, and this is where it becomes a, a great use. Because like you said there, that there's, um, I guess, verbal and nonverbal cues, right? right. And, and in our behaviors that we see with people we interact with. And, and sometimes those cues, even in our situation, I'm not necessarily showing you my true self. Right. Whether that's conscious or unconscious, I'm not doing that because we're in a social environment. There are social norms that dictate our interaction with each other and is, that starts to multiply. So, yeah, you might be a business and have an irate customer, of course, like, but that could be one of a thousand, but it focuses all your attention on that. And you begin to sort of understand maybe that person's frustrations with your product or service, but when you're talking about what people think about broader trends, like, a partic- like if I'm thinking about the economy. Yeah, the economy or, or people's feeling of job security at a really macro scale, um, which is something that, w- that we do um, with a consumer sentiment index. Um, it's about understanding how people feel towards that and at a, at a very large scale. But you can also filter that down to a category, for example. So are people turning off uh, some kind of cooking oil because of, you know, like palm oil and, and yeah. health-related things? How do they actually feel about those different types of fats and things like that? Because that can really give an insight to a business and how what a future trend might be. And if if you're positive, and we simplify it to positive or negative, which you could also think of happy or unhappy. Well, we um, see this all the time: happy, neutral, unhappy. Yeah, yeah, and, and particularly where we are in, in the United Arab Emirates, there's a big push on happiness, but that that is positive sentiment, right? And the happier you are towards something, then the happier you generally are. Um, and what we can do uh, with technology is understand this at scale through what's called natural language processing. Okay, explain that. F- explain that natural language processing. <laughs> explain how we're now taking audience intelligence, we're putting sentiment into the mix as well. Yeah. And now we're... We arrive at sentiment through through a process called natural language processing. And, and what that does is is it's able to analyze... Let's let's use social data and let's let's drill that right down to say something like Twitter because it's text based largely. Um, so let's if we focus in on that, if you could imagine a million tweets on a topic, um, or a real life example, hundred million tweets on the economy from all the GCC country, Gulf Cooperative Council for those outside, so the countries of the Arabian Gulf. If you there's no way possible that you could read all of them, right? Well, I mean, I'm not doubting that some savant somewhere can <laughs> sit down and <laughs> go through the spreadsheets and yeah see but it would take a long time it wouldn't take minutes or hours you know and what technology enables us to do and what ai at its core is as we've discussed before is the ability to process information at at a fairly fast speed at a fairly high degree of accuracy mm. um and at a and at, at a level which no human could possibly do on their own or maybe a team of 100 could do in a few weeks 
then what, what part of that technology is called natural language processing is it, what it is, is it, it looks at the context of the words that are used. So that's the key word right there, context. Yes. Because as, as we've been talking about ourselves in, in this conversation, when you take the natural word context and you take it, let's use the GCC as an example, or even a little bit wider, we're talking, we could talk in Arabic language, which as you've said over and over and over again, we run into the, this huge issue of a perception of homo- homogeneity. <laughs> like, it's hard to get that word out. <laughs> a perception of homogeneity with this region because of language. Yet, the, while the language is Arabic, the way the Arabic language is being used in different countries is different. And this creates a really interesting challenge because you've got the same words with slightly different intonations, with slightly different spellings that might be used in different contexts to say similar things, which if you're listening and you don't understand that, you you could be thrown off your your research. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's a huge number of points there if we have time to unpack them. Sure, okay. Um, the first step, I guess, in, in what we could do is, in a future episode, we'll jump into what a technical, layman's terms, technicality of natural language processing, but in a really simple way, it's the ability to understand what somebody's saying within the context of a broader conversation yeah. um, and what it's able to then do through various models that are created within this field, which is, you know, within machine learning, okay. is, is for that machine or that algorithm to understand what is meant by something. So it could be a phrase like, you know, I'm not happy about this, you know, which is a very clear, right. I'm not happy. <laughs> There's a lot of things like sarcasm, like, right. yeah, or, right. won't buy this again. This is so good, yeah. Well, don't use this, all all related around the same idea that I'm very unhappy, but they're iterations yeah. in the language. Yeah, of- and then as you get a bit more towards, so they're very clear statements yeah. of intent. Um, and then you have these statements that are very unclear where you're introducing like things like emojis or yeah. um, or you know, like a crying emoji can mean actually very happy, yeah. for example, or like, like you know, um, uh, pleasant surprise or that type yeah. of thing. Um, and there's also ways that people talk as well. So they're, they're you know, with yeah. sarcasm, for example, like there's, there's lots of examples in the world where sarcasm, you're saying the opposite of what right. you mean by how you're saying it. And in the online world, that sometimes, most often, doesn't come across well. But but you can also pick that up if you if you've got the technology that's smart enough because you understand the context. Right. Usually, that's in a reply to something or somebody sharing a piece of news with a sarcastic comment. Mm. It's clear to a reader that it's sarcasm, but a machine, unless it's built smart enough, can't understand that. Now, getting to the, I guess your your bigger point there about language, uh, and and this is what I guess happens unless you're aware of it is that uh, in a lot of parts of the world not just in the middle east particularly in the middle east because arabic is an underserved language which we've, is a bigger issue um than, than this but and it and it's in incredible numbers when we start looking at uh, you know 400 million speakers in the region yes yeah i mean this is this is a huge number of people yeah yeah and i think that are underserved yeah well it's just <laughs> where focus is right so so Technology often follows uh, commerciality. Mm. So the English-speaking world is larger, right. for, for sure. Um, it probably now is the global language. It's 
probably overtaken French, I would suggest. Um, and that pure amount of, like the amount of people who speak English, the amount of people who speak Spanish, and, and also the geographic spread, for example, of Spanish. And then the sheer number of people who speak, say, for instance, Mandarin okay. yeah. um, and languages like that tends to shift focus away into those areas. So you, even though it's still a huge number, the commerciality sits within probably wealthier. Okay. You know, because if you look even at the Middle East, right, you've got a probably a cluster of countries that are extraordinarily wealthy and then you've got a lot of other countries that are not. And so the commerciality then follows probably where... And so mm. what happens then is that there is... a homogenous view of this region in the sense that Arabic is a language, which it is, but standard Arabic only tells you part of the story. There's over, you know, well, there's 20, 22 main dialects across the region. Um, but then even when you go into somewhere like Saudi Arabia, you've got several dialects within that country. So someone on the east talks a lot different to someone on the west. Well, like I, I had a conversation with my students yesterday exactly about this. And students in Dubai talking about their cousins in Abu Dhabi yeah. who are talking about the same thing using totally different words and they're not quite sure what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's 150 kilometers apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes to the, I guess, the history of, you know, how the region came to be and tribalism and all that sort of thing. And the interesting thing about Arabic, which I think probably happened in, in ages before in, in say, Europe um, with Latin and things like that, is that there is a language of religion which overarches everything, which is a very formal form of Arabic, which then becomes a unifying language, which which has then come into some sort of formality. It's not necessarily as formal as, say, the, the Holy Quran, but it's a bit more, uh, it's le less formal than that, but there is something called standard Arabic, right? So people can understand things, and it's largely, and also popular culture starts to feed in, and you get this massive yeah. melding of things. And like you just said then, you've got people who particularly are younger, speaking in those dialects with slang. Right. And so what you get then is this slang, Emirati or slang, Kuwaiti or whatever. If you don't know about that and the technology that you're using to understand sentiments or how happy someone is towards whatever it is, whether it's a huge topic like world affairs or it's a tiny topic like how they're spreading the butter on their toast. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. It, important. <laughs> important if you're going to be putting your Marmite on there. Very. Vegemite. Come on, oh, man. Vegemite. Okay, sorry. Marmite is <laughs> devil's food. <laughs> Team Vegemite here. Uh, and not parochial at all. But uh, getting back to that topic, you, you're not necessarily going to... You'll miss out. Okay. It's not that it's wrong. You'll just miss out on a lot of data. What that can do so you don't, you, is so shift it, the results. So, so you don't have you're not have, your data's not as rich. No, and that has a result and impact downstream of saying, for instance, if we're looking at maybe maybe the, the the spreading is a bit niche, but if we're looking at say for instance people's preference of ice cream yeah. and how happy they are towards I don't know Nutella ice cream or something, there you might get a data pool, a small data pool, right, of fifteen hundred people or something like that. I'm just making up numbers sure. here. Because you're using standard technolo technology that relies on standard Arabic and then it relies, you know, without that enrichment of, of the culture around it, you might be potentially missing out on two, three, four, five times as much conversation okay. happening. Because it doesn't understand sentiment. Yeah, it doesn't understand the dialect. Mm. So it can't pick up the sentiment because right. the, the words don't make any sense okay. to it. Right. 
to somebody reading it who understands that they do make sense. You know what I mean? So, right. So if you were going back old school and doing interviews, yeah. you might be able to catch this stuff if you understand the dialect. But it, And then you have the problem with interviews of somebody not telling you the truth. Exactly. Because the social you know, desirability bias where I'm, I think you want to hear. <laughs> sorry. I, yeah. I think that you want to hear something from me something. that's different to what I actually think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Of course I use like reusable shopping bags every time. Like, like I, I don't a lot of the time because I forget I'm busy, you know, like it's yeah. not, a, it's, it's not a conscious choice. I understand about plastic and things like that, but society would have me feel bad about saying that. So I would watch what I say if somebody asked me that in a formal situation, yeah. you know, like instead of addressing the bigger topic of actually, if it was more convenient for me not to somehow, then I would right. you know, um, not use yeah. <laughs> that single use plastics and all of that sort of thing. Sitting here drinking a water bottle out of, a, you know, it's the convenience element of somebody mm. and then, but you know, a broader trend might have me answer that question a lot differently because I think that you want to hear me say something else. And that's the problem with interviews. What the great thing about social data is it gives us this data, this huge pool of data, which we can understand. And if you understand behavior on platforms that people are a bit more honest on Twitter about their beliefs and, and political mm. biases and, how they live their daily life as opposed to somewhere like Instagram where they're perhaps projecting an image, but in the comments they're not. Right. So it's once you understand all that, you, you've got this rich source of data of how people behave without actually asking them. Something like sentiment, that means you can understand how happy or more, probably more importantly, how unhappy they are towards something. Whatever that thing is, whether that's an economy or whether that's a bottle of water, right. you can understand that. And and you potentially miss out on a lot of data by, by that homogenous you know, looking yeah. at that homogenous view and of so, language. And so by having this very heterogeneous view of what's going on and having this really much greater data pool, I can now make better decisions. I yeah, can it's about enrichment, more. yeah. And I can, I can see where the niches are. And exactly, and, and sentiment is like the start of how people feel. Um, you're happy or unhappy. You're happy or s not necessarily sad either. You're just happy or unhappy. You posit, you know positive or negative and then you go from there right like some people are just neutral there's things right. shared without comment um, there's things shared with with no it's just factual reportings so that stuff gets excluded it's just where somebody has an opinion on something is that good or bad that gives you a launching point then to start looking at perhaps more deeper emotions you know like um, anxiety anger those types of actual human emotions you know and then when you can begin to understand those, you can sort of, you know, if you're a customer-facing organization and all that people do is complain about you online, which is what happens with, say, I think banks, for example. Banks, oh, who, everyone's got an issue with the bank. Yeah, no one ever says, right? <laughs> no one, yeah, and oh. I think that's a global thing. I think, yeah. I think in different parts of the world, there's probably bigger pockets of people who yeah. might be really happy with their experience. But, you know, money's one of those hygiene, you know, like where yeah. it's just like, no. Nah. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody's happy. Don't mess with my money. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that feeling, right, of ownership because there's that, yeah. And, yeah. and I think things will change there eventually. But you can enrich how, you know, by looking at this, you can look at benchmarks, for example. So, all right, we've got to change this. We've got to change how we behave towards our customer. Where can we look? So you look at adjacent industries. Do you know mm. what I mean? Where people are happy and they're happy to share their experiences. Right. Like, you know, things like travel. You know, there are a lot of people who complain online, but there are a lot more people who have share their positive experiences with mm. travel or events or um, even shopping, 
in in yeah. different categories, you know, like so you clothes can, or footwear is often a positive experience, right? Even though it actually probably is, a lot of the time <laughs> isn't. People still share that, you know, yeah. what, and you can learn from that to apply those learnings from, to customer experience, for example. So you start to, just from this one notion of happiness and unhappiness and sentiment, when it's done accurately, it unlocks this whole world of understanding about a customer or, or um, a service or whatever that is. I'm, I'm using consumers here as, I guess, as an endpoint, yeah. but it's as applicable to business-to-business -business interactions and understanding what the pain points of other businesses are um, by how their employees and things like that might be interacting with the world. Do, do you think people realize these tools are available? E yes and no. The audience intelligence i think people get yeah because it's happening over a, a lot but the, the sentiment uh, being able to do intelligence on the sentiment of the audience i wonder if i just get the sense people don't realize that that's possible no i think i think a broader population may, may not and i think people inside say marketing do but there is a with without doubt a 90 percent plus I've not spoken to any, and I'm, again, this is my own bias sure. here because yeah. I obviously work in this area. But people we speak to are very unhappy about. So sentiment's very important to them, right? Because Every, everyone wants to know how. What, what are people saying about us? How do they feel about us? Yeah, and what, not just about what don't us, they like about our competitors, us? Yeah. our category, sure, adjacent categories, sure. Because it unlocks the trends. Sentiment right. unlocks trends, and then from trends you understand what may be coming, but there also what's out there now. And so that's the key point right there. Sentiments unlock the trends so you can see what's happened, what's going on now, and project what's going to come. Yeah, and depending on your industry, it might be way more interesting to look at the unhappy people. Even though there might be a smaller proportion of unhappy people, yeah. that's where you get an indicator of future um, uh, behavior. And, and just to finish, I guess, that last point is that there is a general unhappiness with how that works in Arabic. Mm. Because it, it can't be... <laughs> <laughs> the tools that are globally available, and there's no criticism whatsoever, and it's our, our choice of, of specialism here, is that, you know, you couldn't possibly sit and, in, and invest in, in dialect understanding if you were also trying to service 67 other languages that right. per perhaps have more economic value to you, yeah. if you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah. if you're in Europe, you've got those 14 main languages there, or probably more, 18, no more. Anyway, <laughs> that, that are more important, you know, so you've got this massive, like you think of somewhere like Switzerland, for example, you've got French and German speaking people in the one country yeah. without their own language. And then you've got, you know, exact. So the focus shifts, right? Um, but what sentiment is uh, used in the right way is a leading indicator. So in, in research, you often hear about le leading and trailing indicators mm -hmm. of, of, of behavior and, and um, patterns in economy or whatever. Sentiment gives us a really good understanding, depending on what it is, about what might happen in the future. So a good one, a good example I can think of is employment. Okay. So how confident somebody feels in their employment situation, moving like – because it's always future focused. You never think about the past, right? right? You're yeah. thinking today, I'm thinking about how secure is my job. Right. Um, and each day. Um, obviously, you don't think about it every day, but certain events might happen, like, you know, timely events, I guess, at the moment, like conflicts and things like that, or. or um, Famines. Yeah, whatever. Supply what, chain interruptions. Yeah, wh whatever it is, <laughs> pandemics, et cetera. Yeah. It, it gets people think. And, and when people, for instance, worry about their job, they stop 
spending on big ticket items. So you find a contraction in things like automobiles or luxuries. Um, Not luxury items because they're very, you know, usually the people who can afford them Continue to afford them. Yeah, (laughs) there's no. They're sort of. It's inelastic to, I guess, uh, worries. But but things like I guess that might be um, splurges, like travel, for example, is a big one. You know, someone might downgrade a holiday option, or someone might uh, not splash out. You know, decide to hold on to their car for a bit longer, just a bit longer. You know, or maybe I don't need a new TV right now. You know, those sort of things, which which are, I guess, uh, able. Somebody's able to not. They don't need them today. Right. It's not, a cons- it's not like rice. Or so what does this take us? So by understanding leading indicators, you're able to better help yourself in some sort of prediction in the future of what might be happening. And sentiment plays a big role in helping to understand plays the this. role. It plays the role, not just the leading role. indicator. It is the yeah. G- yeah. yeah and, and you use that with trailing indicators, right? So you back that to your sales data, which might lag three to four months how I'm feeling today. I'm not going to change my behavior potentially on something I'm going to buy tomorrow. Right. But it may affect something that I'm in just beginning to come into market. So some of these things, like automobiles are great examples. You don't go to a car showroom and buy it that day, generally. There's a decision-making <laughs> process that goes on for quite a long time. Even if you're brand loyal, yeah. there is a long time before you actually decide. Because right. there's so many options, right, as well. Yeah. So it's not you can't just go into a car showroom and drive a car out. It yeah. doesn't work like that. <laughs> and there's lots of items that are like that, you know, like furniture, etc. And so that decision process um, gets affected. So instead of me going, I was thinking about buying a car, I was going to pop to the showroom on the weekend, mm, I think I'll just go to the beach instead and I might just put that on ice until I can have a better certainty. That will show in sales figures in three to six months, right? Okay. So you're able to go, hmm, there might be an issue here. Maybe I need to think about what I'm offering or my incentives or that type right. of thing to make sure the customers still keep coming or just to be aware that this might yeah. be a bump in the road for my, for my plans. And, and that can trickle down through everything. Cause then, you know, as people sort of, for instance, contract their spending more than they eat out less, for example. Right. So if I'm a restaurant chain, then I'm probably looking at trying to think about, okay, well maybe after summer there's going to be some issues here. So do you know what I mean? So it yeah. helps you with a leading indicator and then your trailing indicators help. So if I'm, if I'm doing, audience research and i am not thinking about my audience sentiment looking at my leading and trailing indicators i i'm not really not doing effective research no particularly if you're trying to um like you can always look at issues and i guess pain points and trends outside of sentiment but and someone might convince you that that's really important <laughs> but honestly yeah it's, it yeah, seems sentiment. to me like we're missing uh, you're missing a whole area yeah yeah and i guess i guess and it becomes like a, a, a data point that can really help decision making from yeah. a business point of view. But it can also begin to unlock things, really specific things like sentiment towards, for instance, like I mentioned earlier, fats yeah, and oils, for example. Oils. There we go. Could be if I was if I was a manufacturer of like vegetable oil or whatever, yeah. sunflower oil or whatever it is, you know, like yeah, yeah. Well, what's what are people actually worried about now that I could potentially address that worry with some new product development right. over the next six months or a year? Well, like, where do I focus my R&D? So it, it can actually unlock a bigger question. So even as part of a bigger study where you're perhaps looking at the, how people have used a certain product over a amount of time, which isn't related to sentiment, when you add in the sentiment layer, it adds a richness, which gives you a, an ability to, I'm not saying 100% forecast the future, but you're like, well, you know, oh boy, right now. You've got richer data to make those analysis yeah. 
and start thinking about decisions that you want to make in R&D, in sales, in where you're going to allocate resources. Maybe you need to hire some more interns, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and, and, and you see this stuff and it just it tracks almost. It's exciting. It tracks perfectly. <laughs> I like, can see the, the excitement <laughs> in you. You're just going, it tracks perfectly. No. Why are people doing this? No, but I can see it. We, we published something <laughs> called the Consumer Sentiment Index across the Gulf. And what that does is it tracks consumer sentiment across the business, yeah. uh, private business, the government, so the economy, um, not the government performance per se, but the economy, and employment. And without fail, employment, if that dips one month, perhaps one to two months later, you see a dip, resultant dip in business, and then the government is last. And then what happens is the actual employment figures are a trailing indicator right. of because people the last thing they do is fire you know it's not right. the very first thing yeah. you do right yeah, yeah yeah you cut other costs and then you go okay this isn't getting better i need to lay off but when people but what we're doing here is getting how the actual employee is worried not what the for instance the business person is saying right what i'm gonna do you know like i'm gonna reduce my headcount this year that person would probably have been worried about that job their job that means in the previous year and you, then you're able to better sort of mix everything right. together. So it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, when we're talking about sentiment, when we're talking about knowing your audience, it's, it all comes down to having the necessary tools, as we keep saying, to make informed decisions. Yes. And those tools exist. They do. They do. And it's about if you use any of those tools, it's about um, understanding and asking the right questions that you're getting the right information. There we go. And if you are, great. And if you're not, then, then there's always something out there. <laughs> if you're not, you should be. And maybe you need to be asking questions about the resources that you're using. Exactly. And yeah. why you're using those. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Be, be, Ask more questions. Be, yeah. And, and, and whatever you do, I guess don't pay for something that you're not getting value from. <laughs> exactly. Or an accurate viewpoint. This, is, this has put a lot into focus. When we start thinking about sentiment, we start thinking about audience. I got a lot more questions. We're going to get to those very soon. I'm James Pikeway. I'm Paul Kelly. And this is Know Your Audience.